Welcome to Ask the Beauty Advisor, the podcast where you get personal beauty advice with your host and beauty advisor, Deanna Lynn. Hello and thank you for tuning in today. It's early Monday morning, August 17th, 2015. We're going to be putting on quite a show for you today. But before that, I have an exciting announcement to make. Ask the Beauty Advisor is now a part of Beauty Radio Network. And if you'd like to be part of the network, you can contact me, Deanna, at beautyradionetwork.com. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the myths that revolve around sunscreen, ethnic skin. We just got a golden show for you today. My guest, Pamela Springer, is a licensed esthetician who's very, very knowledgeable. In fact, she's a trainer. She's trained some of the top estheticians and dermatologists around the country. She's here with me today, and she's going to be answering questions about hyperpigmentation, treating skin discolorations for ethnic skin, and for all skin types. She's also going to break down sunscreens for you. All that confusion about how often should I apply sunscreen? Should I apply it before my moisturizer? Pamela's got some gold, so you're going to want to hang on and listen to everything she has to say, whether you're an esthetician or if you're just somebody who really cares about their skin. Now, Pamela specializes in ethnic skin, but today's show will apply to all skin types. I'm very anxious to bring our guest on, so let's go ahead right now and tune in to that interview with Pamela. Good morning, Pamela. Thank you very much for this interview and a welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Deanna, for having me. I know we're both early birds. I'm drinking my coffee here. What's the weather like there? And are you, you're in Las Vegas, aren't you? No, Arizona. Hot, hot, hot. I mean, really hot, hot, hot. It's yeah, like, so these summers are wicked sometimes. Yeah, I bet. I slept with the air conditioning on, and the other night we had a blackout, and oh, I couldn't even sleep all night. It was so sweaty, and I didn't get any sleep at all. So it's been rough sleeping here. It's odd weather. It usually starts to cool down. Yeah, we are starting to get humidity because of all the water, people in the pools, and all the, you know, um, um, landscapes now are more green rather than more desert, and they build lakes, and so we're beginning to get this humidity, and it doesn't go well with temperatures that reach 110 or 115. It's ugly. Yeah. Ooh. Well, let's start, Pamela. Let's get into our show. I know I'm anxious to hear about, you've got so much experience in the skincare field, and I'm anxious to hear we're going to talk about hyperpigmentation or skin discolorations today. So why don't you go ahead and let the listeners know or tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Give us a brief description of your background. Well, I am, um, I've been an esthetician. Um, I'm an oldie, but goodie. I started late in life. And uh, so I've been an esthetician for a little over um, 20 years. And my specialty is skin of color. And I'm finding that it's really becoming um, a, a topic that people are really wanting to know in this business because of all the new modalities that are out there. You know, you have your lasers, you have your chemical peels, you have so many different 
uh, you know, state-of-the-art equipment that they're not really sure about how to perform services on people who have pigmented skin. So I've been specializing in that uh, for at least, I would say, uh, 15 years. I was fortunate to do an internship with a um, well-known dermatologist who was also a professor in a medical school, and she taught ethnic dermatology. So I shadowed her for nine months, and she kind of, you know, uh, crossed off all the myths that I had thought was a reality. She showed me how to work around some of those issues. So um, I ended up having an aesthetic school for 15 years, and now I have a product line. So I'm putting all my energy in in getting the product line out because I find that there's so many people um, of color, but there's also people who are racially blended, and they're having the same issues as a person of color, but they look Caucasian. So right now, it's really exciting because um, doing all this research has led me to really open my mind about how big the population really is versus my bird's eye view of what the population was. So between the racially blended and those who are um, a skin of color, uh, it's a big market. Wow, Pamela, you're a very motivated lady. (laughs) Let's go ahead and dig into skin discolorations. What would be the main cause of hyperpigmentation or skin discolorations? Well, there's two um, occurrences. One is just an abnormal um, high concentration of melanocytes, which uh, is the cell that produces melanin. It uh, produces the melanin, and it's um, congenital like a birthmark. But the other is when you excite, let's say, that pigment cell. For instance, sun exposure excites that uh, pigment cell, so it stimulates the production of melanin, so you end up getting a tan. Or it could be um, having an inflammation. Let's say you have a breakout, and so the breakout is um, um, I'll. Um, let's say, in the uh, cheek area or the chin area. Um, It excites that melanocyte, the cell, to produce melanin to go to that site of inflammation, which is the acne lesion. And once it helps in the healing process, if you have a skin of color, it's going to leave that dark spot. So uh, there's so many... um, you know, uh, things that one does in life that causes. It could be medication. It could be your lifestyle. Um, it could be the aging process. So hyperpigmentation is really almost like the number one skin condition across the board because you get freckles. And freckles are something a lot of people, you know, is congenital. It's part of their DNA. So, again, um Understanding each of those um, uh, individualized situations, you have to have a protocol on how to either resolve it or lighten that um, that uh, pigmentation. You mentioned that discoloration could form from aging. Does that mean you're talking about age spots? Absolutely. That's mm-hmm. and that's really um, our aging process. 
Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of times, it is caused by sun damage. And so those those spots, you know, it's exactly what it says. It just starts aging. And, of course, we have to, as women, um, thank our wonderful hormones for making us go crazy most of the time. <laughs> but those hormones also, as they deplete, causes, you know, age spots and things like that. So there's so many, um, you know, different, again, that's why when someone goes to, let's say, an esthetician, we take a client history, we take an intake form, we want to know your background, because it kind of will help us to understand why you're getting some of these uh, lesions. Sometimes we still don't know why. And sometimes, again, it's something to do with your health. It has nothing to do with the sun. Uh, you might be taking medication that causes a lesion, and it won't go away until you stop taking that medication. So it's just so many causes that I could go on and on and on about um, hyperpigmentation. So then now let's talk about some of the ways you can treat hyperpigmentation. Number one is wearing your sunblock or sunscreen. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people may not have actual lesions, dark spots, or discoloration, but they have uneven tone. And the uneven tone is because of the sun ray. Um, Our forehead juts out, so the sun is going to hit the forehead. The jaws also tend to jut out, and so it's going to land on the jaw. But our brows shade, um, shade our cheeks, so our cheeks are going to be lighter. So if you wear sunscreen, you will have a more even complexion. So other ways um, of treating it is, you know, either going by to a professional, and that could be an esthetician or a physician, and having services. And a lot of times the services will be about um, exfoliating those um, top layers of skin, um, and it will lighten hyperpigmenta- uh, hyperpigmentation. And also, it will open up the skin to receive products because it has removed those dead cells where a lot of people who don't go for professional services, they really don't get uh, the true benefit of a product. Because if there is a layer of dead cells, many layers usually, the product ingredients can't penetrate. So everything stays on top of uh, the top layer of the skin. So they never get that benefit. So when you combine the both, you'll see a benefit if that's the condition that you're seeking to resolve. And and again, with a doctor, they might give you a... um, skin lightener that is a four to six percent and anytime um, you have to fill a prescription it's a drug so when they give you a higher um, percentage of a skin lightener it tells me that that product is going deep into the first layer which is the epidermis into the dermis and actually pulling out uh, that discoloration. Where an esthetician, we can only um, um, promote a 2% uh, 
which is still um, has a phenomenal effect if the uh, discoloration is in the top layers of the skin. So treatments help to get you know the uh, the discoloration out of out of the layers of the skin, and also ingredients in home care, and being diligent on your home care to be able to control that hyperpigmentation. Now, as far as treatments that an esthetician can do, they can do things like they can perform things like chemical peels or glycolic peels. Is that correct? Yes, chemical peels, and that's what I. Uh, mentioned earlier, the chemical peels will um, uh, remove the top layers of, of dead cells depending on how aggressive they are. It could be a lighter or superficial peel like a glycolic or a lactic acid. So it's going to remove uh, some of the layers of, of dead cells. So now the products that you use after it penetrates deeper into the skin. So let's say it's a skin lightening agent. If you didn't go and get a chemical peel, you're only going to tackle the upper layer of the skin with the the product, where if you go and get a chemical peel, it has removed many layers of dead cell. So now that skin lightening is going to go deeper, and so you'll see more fading of that that, uh, discoloration. Does that make sense? That does make sense, Pamela. But really, how safe are chemical peels for an ethnic skin type? Most people are afraid of using a chemical peel on ethnic skin. The darker the skin, the more prepping you have to do prior to uh, administering a chemical peel. So I am about, mm, my ex-husband used to call me pecan tan, so um, I'm more more caramel in color. So I would have to prep my skin about three to four weeks prior to giving a medium depth peel. If I'm just going to get a light peel, I might only prep my skin for two weeks. And that might be a light glycolic or a light lactic acid. But when you get into the medium or the the ones that penetrate deeper, remember earlier I said I don't want to excite those pigment cells to produce pigment. So the prepping helps to suppress and not allow pigment to be made while you're getting the peel. Peel will be hot. And remember earlier I mentioned anything that traumatizes the skin on a skin of color is going to stimulate pigment. Now, I want to make sure that you got uh, you, you and your audience understand It's the same in Caucasian skin, but remember you have no coloring, so you're going to just see red. So our our red turns brown because you don't see the red because because the skin is brown. Now, Pamela, what is considered to be ethnic skin? You, yeah, unless you're a lighter skin um, um, uh, individual, like a Hispanic or a light-skinned African-American, you have light-skinned Asians, and that's what most people don't understand. Um, the only people that are really Caucasians are Europeans, and when I say Europeans, I mean like Eastern and Northern Euro- Europeans. Your Southerners, Southerners, like in Italy, they have pigmented skin. They're considered ethnic. Mediterranean skin is ethnic skin, 
Greek skin, there's ethnic skin, there's pigmentation that you can stimulate. But because of the way that we do things here in the United States, you know, and when you go and take your senses, if you're Italian or Greek or Mediterranean, you check Caucasian. But in truth, you're really not a Caucasian. So it's so many dynamics and so many different sides to look at. That's why I love it, because it's fascinating. You know, it's fascinating um, uh, about what our genes are and our DNA and what the outcome of you, if you're taking care of your skin or outcome of a skin that, you know, you don't do anything to. And it just depends on your DNA because some of some of the good skin is genetic. Genes do play an important role in how your skin looks, but there are things you can do about it. Oh, yeah, it's such an interesting field. I love it, too. Now, Pamela, I know there are people who've gotten treatments for hyperpigmentation and ended up with the condition getting worse. Is there any way to reverse that? Yes, and we call that post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation because the post means after. So it was after the chemical peel was placed on the skin. It inflamed and irritated the skin. And because it excited those melanocytes, which is the pigment cell, it stimulated those cells to go to that, that uh, irritation or, you know, that heat and help to calm it down. So anybody that has post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, they have to go back and have a series, would you believe, of, uh, of the skin lightening and they would just do procedures to lighten that area. And you as well would have a home care program to help to lighten um, that area. Now, it depends on how deep if you will be able to eradicate it or not. If it's in the first layer, which we call the epidermis, yes, we probably can pull all that pigment out. But if it's spilled into the dermis, you cannot. A physician can give you a skin lightening agent that is a higher percentage, but you just don't know how deep that has penetrated. So he may get it lighter, but there's no guarantee that um, he can um, actually resolve that. Now, with all the new lasers, how do you feel about laser for resolving um, discolorations or hyperpigmentation? Fabulous. But there's certain lasers that you have to use on pigmented skin. They have a laser now that I'm, um, I just got certified on. It's called the Aerolase, A-E-R-O-L-A-S-E. The Aerolase has been actually, it's a 1064, and it has actually been designed for people of color. And it is designed where it's a longer race, so it passes by, um, you know, um, it, it lasers stem all around light source. So years ago, when they came out with laser, it was always targeting, and it was, let's say it was, a hair removal. It was targeting the dark hair. Well, it couldn't dif- differentiate the dark hair from the dark skin. So that's why a lot of people of color could not get hair um, um, removal. Also, the 
other lasers, like a CO2 laser, was removing layers of skin. So on a Caucasian person removing so many layers of the skin, you would be lighter, but they would feather it into the neck area so it would blend. Or if they removed a lot of layers, you would um, not have any, you would be two, three, four shades lighter. But because all the wrinkles were removed, women would just use um, makeup to cover that. Well, if you're going to remove, let's say, my layers, I'm going to be white. <laughs> when you remove the melanocytes or the layer where that pigment cell is, you're down into the dermis, which is going to be a whitish-pinkish color. So uh, there's going to be a, quite a big difference in what my uh, skin tone will be of my body versus my face. So we call that hypopigmenting. So you have taken all the pigment out of my skin. Well, some of the chemical peels do the same thing. So again, you just have to make sure that you go to a professional that understands um, ethnic skin and actually know that they treat uh, skin of color by looking at before and after pictures or, you know, for estheticians like anyone that comes, because I do training across the country, I give certificates. And so in my industry, most people know that if, um, that if they're trained by me, that that person has come out understanding you know, um, the structure and function, not only of Caucasian skin, but also of skin of color. Wow, you've given us some real gold as far as information goes here. But I do want to get into talking about sunscreens. And I know we're trying to cram a lot into a half hour show. But I really do want to get into talking about sunscreens, because I think it's one of the most confusing things to myself as well, probably to our listeners, Every professional you talk to will give you different information as far as how often should it be applied? Should it be applied before the moisturizer, after the moisturizer? Should I use an SPF 15? Talk to us and tell us a little bit about sunscreen. Okay. First of all, there's chemical. Um, um, I was trained that you have to use before you put on a moisturizer because it won't penetrate uh, into the skin. And it depends on the ingredients. If it is a chemical, it would go under your moisturizer. Now there's what they call a physical block and a chemical block. Am I correct? Right. Now a chemical block is probably obvious. It's a chemical block. But could you explain what a physical block is or what they mean by physical block? Because a lot of us don't know what they mean by a physical block. I know. And the physical is um, a block. Actually, it uh, deflects the sun. So when it hits your, your skin, it bounces off of your skin. It doesn't penetrate. Um, you may have seen years ago when the lifeguards used to have that white shin or paste. Yes, they'd have this white paste that they only put on their nose. That was zinc oxide. Well, now it's been put into sunscreen because it's not just about your nose anymore. It's about your, your, your entire skin. It's about your body. Any part of the body that's exposed, we're supposed to 
wear sunscreen or, you know, uh, um, clothing that is compliant with uh, UVA, UVB protection. So the physical is going to protect you. Uh, UVA is the aging ray, and that's the ray that goes the deepest. That's the one that goes into the dermis and causes wrinkles. UVB is the burning ray, which is in the epidermis, the first layer of skin, but that causes skin cancer. So when you get a physical block, it's going to prevent those rays from actually getting into the skin. Now, let's talk about um, how often to use it. If you are outdoors, you should apply it at least every two hours. I don't care if it's a 15 or 30 or 45. You should reapply it. Now, someone of, of, of a darker skin type, they already have an SPF of 13 built in because that's what melanin is about. It protects um, our skin. So melanin, the more melanin you have, the more SPF. A Caucasian may only have like a 5 SPF. And when I say a Caucasian, I'm talking about a European skin. So they might have only a 5 SPF. So their skin is just naked out in the sun. So uh, people of color, we were always told we didn't need sun protection. Well, years ago, that may have been true. But the depletion of the ozone layer, the sun is so much stronger now. So we have to use sun protection because people of color are getting skin cancer. And that was never heard of before. I don't know. Do you know Bob Molly? That was a Jamaican uh, rock star. Yes, I do. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, he was really getting hot on the, you know, and he was a crossover because even the Caucasians were enjoying that Jamaican, mm-hmm. you know, beat. But yeah. anyway, he died at 36, and it was because they, there was a spot on his toe, under his toenail, and they thought it was from his, you know, he played a lot of soccer when he was younger, and they uh, thought it was um, uh, an injury, post-injury. And so by the time they found out that it was uh, cancer, it had spread all of his, all over his body. And he, I think it was like 36 or 39. I know it was the mid or the late thirties. So he passed away. And so a lot of people of color, by the time they realized that it's cancer, you know, skin cancer, they, it's too late because even dermatologists, most dermatologists are not going to really you know, screen us because it's been uh, now the myth that doctor skin doesn't get skin cancer. And um, again, it's all a myth. And the worst of all the ethnic groups are Hispanics and African-Americans will not with sun protection. Wow. Clearly you are right about that. And I hope our listeners are really listening to you because that's golden information. So then, Pamela, would you recommend when purchasing a sunscreen, we look for both a physical and a chemical sunscreen? Do you recommend using a combination of both ingredients? I would look at your lifestyle. If you're just running out to, let's say, and getting in the car and going to work every day and really not spending any 
time in the sun. You still need, because um, in the car, you're getting those rays penetrating the glass. And you usually can tell people's driver's side because they're darker on the left side versus the right side. So you still need it. But um, as people that are very fair, uh, let's say an albino or a very fair um, um, Caucasian, you're going to need more protection because you don't have melanocytes. You don't have pigment for any protection at all. And you're more prone to skin cancer. So I, and let's say you're somebody who is a roofer and you're in the sun all the time. I would recommend a physical block and it would be a SPF of at least 50. After 45 or 50, there's not much difference. Some people wear a hundred and it's not much difference. A lot of times, the higher you go with your sunscreen, the more irritating it is because of the chemical ingredients that they have to put in there to get it to that place. But I would always look for um, zinc oxide if you're very fair, uh, titanium dioxide, and there is one that is manufactured in the lab. It's called Pasol, P-A-R-S-O-L 1789. That's a physical block, okay? But again, look at your activity. Your kids, if they're outside all the time, they should have on at least a 30. And they should have it um, uh, reapplied uh, every two hours. Now, do you recommend applying the sunscreen directly to the skin before we apply our moisturizer? How does that work? If it's no, if you don't see... Pasol um, 1789, zinc oxide, or titanium dioxide in that screen, sunscreen, I would put it under my moisturizer. If you see the physical blocking agents, I would put it after the um, moisturizer. Well, uh, you know, that makes sense, and I'm really glad you cleared that up because that's a that seems to be somewhat of a debate between the physicians and or dermatologists and the skincare professionals. Another key factor, you have to apply it 20 to 30 minutes before going outside for it to be effective. And there you go, more golden information. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, you have to apply it 20 to 30 minutes and you're going to, uh, before going out. And if you're You know, they say waterproof and all that, but uh, remember the uh, pools, okay? There's a reflect, uh, uh, reflects the sun, so you're getting a deeper tan or a deeper burn as well. So you have to make sure to reapply more often. And I would have a higher SPF if you're going to have your children in the pools for, uh, um, you know, Uh, any length of time. Oh, yeah, gosh. We've all had an experience probably of getting sunburnt by being in a swimming pool or out in the ocean, forgetting about how much sun is being reflected on us. We've all gotten burnt at one time or another, I'm sure. Now, speaking of natural, going back and speaking a little bit about natural sunscreen, some of them, the natural ones, are so white. I mean, they really just make you look odd. Exactly, and most skin of color cannot... Wear it. We look like it's 
like we're a Halloween. You know, yes, the exactly. out of people, you know. But the blessing for us is that we already have a physical block in our pigment because our melanin is a physical block. So, and we tend not to, uh, and think of the Asians, you know, they run around with an umbrella to make sure that, you know, well, I should yeah. say, it's usually the Chinese and Japanese, you know. Right. Um, um, you know, other Asians are darker, like your Vietnamese and all of that. They're not as uh, protective of their skin. But they run around with, um, you know, all, uh, umbrellas. And the only thing I can say, if you're not using a physical, you know, titanium dioxide now, they micronize to such a small, um, you know, the ingredients really penetrates the skin. In fact, I carry one um, that's micronized and people of color love it because it goes right into the skin. It's a, a spray. Uh, a lot of men like it because they don't like a greasy feeling to their skin. Now, are we talking about the skincare line that you created? Yes, yes, yes. And I, I laugh because naturally I promote it in, in a market uh, for uh, skin of color. But it's what I'm really trying to say, any skin can use it. It's just been formulated for more sensitive skin, like skin of color. There's a lot of Caucasians that use my product because they have sensitive skin because it's been formulated with more natural products and it's been formulated. And this is not your professional side. I'm talking about the retail side. So uh, basically, it's really, I call it global skin. And what I'm trying to say is that this product is basically global. And um, But when I talk about skin of color, People automatically, oh, well, then that's not for me. And so they don't get the concept. And I really don't know how to break it down any further. When I train, I train, excuse me, uh, in a lot of medical practices. I'm sorry. Um, You know, the nurses and and estheticians that are going to provide services, they're trying to get more into the ethnic market. So they're trying to learn more about how to do you know, certain services and all. And so when I talk about um, sometimes, you know, they're they're listening to me, but they're not really um, involved and connected to the conversation until I mention, you know, racial blending or I mention Italian or Greek. And then all of a sudden, if that's part of who they are, now they got my... you know, I got their full attention, <laughs> but usually they think, oh, well, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just learning for those people over there. They don't know that they're part of those people when we're, we're doing training. So it's something new. It's very confusing, just like sunblock. That's right. We could have done a whole show on sunscreen alone. I'm sure. And I hope your audience, um, listening audience has a better perspective about how to use it. And number one, just look at your lifestyle. You'll probably use sunscreen more on the weekends than when you're running in and out of you know, the car to go to work. But may I also say this, that a lot of people go and get a lot of services, um, lasers, chemical peels, you know, to remove freckles, to remove sunspots or age spots. And then they run out to the mail uh, a mailbox to get their mail and they don't put on sunscreen. 
And when all of a sudden they see the spots coming back. That's right. Even though you've went through treatments and had sunspots or discolorations or even age spots removed, it seems like if you go out in the sun, maybe one second without a sunscreen, those spots and discoloration come right back. Yep. And that's why you need to constantly uh, wear your sun protection. And again, that's your physical block. Well, Pamela, I could talk to you all day, but I know you're a busy lady. Now, Pamela, if some of the listeners would like to contact you and learn more about your training or even your skincare, where can they get a hold of you? Yes. Well, my website uh, for um, um, will be www.globalskincareproducts.com. If they would like to email me, I'll just make it easier. It's info at PamelaSpringer.com. Yes, and you guys, all of that information is down in the show notes, or you can go to our website, AskTheBeautyAdvisor.com. We'll have all of Pamela's information posted on our website as well. Yes, and any of your professionals uh, that are out there, uh, they can email me because they have a totally different website. The professionals, because that's where I sell the uh, chemical peels and all the more um, uh, aggressive uh, products that they would use. That's great, Pamela. Thank you so much for being on today. It was a pleasure talking to you. I enjoyed our conversation. I wish we had more time, but we'll have to have you on again. Well, thank you, Deanna. It's been a blast, and it's been a long time coming. Life always, you know, I feel as though this was perfect, and I appreciate this opportunity immensely. We enjoyed having you, Pamela, and you had so much golden information. Thank you for sharing. 